could. Uh, again, it's so nice to have all of you here again today. Uh, some, some are new today. We're glad you're here. Uh, I will get us started off, and then Eric and Deanna will do most of the teaching today. Uh, let's, let's begin with some announcements here. Uh, there's a wedding shower for Katie Underwood and Tyler, Katie Underwood and Tyler Pate uh, today from 1 to 3 in the gathering room. And Katie and Tyler are registered at Target. Um, Target, excuse me, Target, Macy's, Williams-Sonoma, World Market, and Zola. Uh, silent retreat led by Jackie Halstead is February 17 through 19, so that's this coming weekend, isn't it? It's St. Mary's, uh, Sewanee? sorry. I'm new to Tennessee, I guess. Oh, okay, and uh, for that uh, silent retreat, its cost is $80. You can register online. The OC Children's Ministry has immediate need for administrative assistance, about 24 hours a week, they estimate. Responsible for communicating with volunteers, parents, guests, staff, providing various administrative assistance to the Children's Ministries team. Uh, contact Melanie at OuterCreek.org if you're interested. And maybe there's some folks understanding some things about how God wired them uh, in our class that might be able to help with that need. Also, if you haven't noticed, there's a consignment sale coming up. And uh, Deanna helped me get dressed when I got here. She, I offered some. The consignment sale uh, is going to need some volunteers. Um, and uh, you can do that. You can sign up to volunteer at uh, ottercreeksale.com. Or there's a table in the lobby today, next Sunday also. The consignment sale is March 3 and 4. And I think Deanna told us last week if we, if we volunteer for the consignment sale, then we're able to kind of have first... Uh, walkthrough of the uh, goods. Uh, and then prayer concerns for the week. Leslie Cole, the daughter of Jerry and Sandra Collins, many of you know them, uh, is battling breast cancer. She had surgery this past Wednesday, I think it was, I believe. And so I uh, want to pray for uh, uh, Leslie. Uh, ladies would know Sandra from the ladies' class on Tuesday, I guess. Um, and uh, we have, I just met Eric French and his wife here. They, their parents have generally come to our class, Ron and Patty, but they went to New York City to meet a new grandbaby this week. Uh, it was that son and daughter-in-law's first baby. Eight pounds, Six ounces. Uh, big, big baby. Big 20 baby. 20-something, yeah. So. <laughs> so they grow them big. But there's, there, uh, his brother works for uh, Camp Shiloh. Camp Shiloh. <coughs> Folks might be familiar with Camp Shiloh. Really neat mission. Um, so anyway, we'll, we'll pray for the new baby. And we'll pray for Leslie Cole. And uh, then Eric will begin our teaching. And he'll transition to uh, De uh, Deanna. And as time permits, I'll wind it up. But I'm going to turn it over to them today. If you have your Bibles, you may want to find 1 Corinthians 12 in a minute. But let's have a prayer together. Dear Father, thank you for making us as you have. Help us in this class to understand how you made us, how you wired us. We're grateful for we can have a time to think about this and consider this. Please help our teachers today, help all, help all the teachers in the building today as they are teaching your word. Help all of us as listeners, as students, uh, to hear and listen to what you would have us to know. 
We're praying today especially for Leslie Cole as she recovers from this breast cancer surgery. Help Jerry and Sandra and others who surround her these days, give them energy and um, when they need that and rest and sleep when they need that. And uh, thank you for the uh, French's new baby's safe arrival. We pray the recovery of his mother will be quick and complete. Thank you for the joy that children bring. In Jesus we pray. Amen. All right. Thanks, Kent. Um, all of you can ask Kent where he found the Chick-fil-A that's open on Sunday. This is a cup from yesterday. It's water. I was like, how did, how did you pull that off? Um, all right. Well, welcome. Glad you're here again. For those of you that have been here before, um, maybe a couple of you are here for the first time. And, you know, we haven't officially done, we haven't met everybody, but we're a small enough group that I think we can just real quickly kind of go around and just say your name. And if you want to add anything, you can. But just so that we at least have names with faces, let's do that. So I'm Eric Livingston. I'm the community life minister here at Otter Creek. And my wife is over here, Dixie. And then this is Kent uh, Hoggett. Kent Hoggett. And Kent my Kent wife Kent. is in the blue plaid, Debbie. <laughs> All right, and then we'll just kind of work our way around. So James is Yeah, I'm Sandra James, and this is my husband, Kevin James. All right, great. Eric and Gwen French. Eric and Gwen French. Julie Thomas. Mm-hmm. And Lane's not my here. My other half is not here. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right, we'll come back over here, Dan. Deanna Carney. <clears throat> Annie Harvey. Greg Harvey. Yeah. Leslie Brock. Ashley Brock. Okay, and where's Chad? I saw him earlier. He went to another class. Well, I'll talk to him about that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Austin Watkins. Tara Rica. So if you say if you say Tara, she'll just gracious she'll smile and just graciously correct you. Tara Rica. All right, good. Okay, um, yes, we are going to be looking at 1 Corinthians 12 today. So uh, if you've got a Bible hard copy or on your phone or whatever, that will be helpful for sure. We're going to read through the whole chap- chapter um, and then just have some discussion. So while you're turning there, um, I still have copies of the syllabus. Does anybody want a copy? Has not received it, you guys have? Um, They're up here if you want one later. Um, You can see that we are approaching, well, you don't all have one, but um, next week we're going to start looking at some specific gifts. Um, And then the following week we're going to look at a few uh, ministries that kind of go along with those gifts. And then we'll just kind of follow that rhythm through the rest of the course. So this is kind of the third week of just kind of the intro and setup. Um, to kind of helpfully fund our, our journey over the next few weeks today, uh, next few weeks. And so today, um, I think it's important for us to look at 1 Corinthians 12. And this is the passage that Paul uh, really kind of expands on spiritual gifts and use the bo- uses the body analogy that we're pretty familiar with. So this is, this is a fairly familiar text, um, but I still think it behooves us to uh, spend a few minutes on it. So um, <clears throat> let's just go ahead and read. I'm going to read the first 11 verses and then we'll stop and chat a little bit. Um, and I've got some questions and some things I'd like to point out, but I would welcome your comments as well. So as we're reading, if you note something uh, that is different or stands out to you or brings a thought to mind, feel free to hold on to that and share that with the group. Okay, uh, 1 Corinthians 12. 
Paul says, Now, about spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given uh, through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of, of one and the same spirit. And he gives them to each one just as he determines. Okay, so just a little bit of background. It's, um, and you're probably familiar with this. But Corinth was having this phenomenon of all these new Jesus followers um, who had just received the gift of the Holy Spirit and were kind of um, excited about the gifts that they had that, were, that came through the Spirit. And um, as we see here in this text, one of those gifts was speaking in tongues, which is speaking in a language that that, that person doesn't know. And uh, it appears that that became kind of the prominent gift, that that was the one, that was the all-star gift that everybody kind of wanted. Um, that was kind of the highfalutin spiritual gift, if you will. And so, um, uh, and so Paul, I think, here is writing to kind of say, listen, it's great that you have a spiritual gift, and we want you to exercise your spiritual gift, um, but we need to appreciate everyone's spiritual gift. So just because you're speaking in tongues, if someone else is not speaking in tongues, that doesn't necessarily mean you're the better, higher Christian. It means we have different gifts, and all those gifts are by the same spirit and for the same uh, purpose. And so that appears to be what um, Paul is addressing here. Um, and interestingly, I, you know, historically, this kind of happened again uh, in the early 20th century when um, uh, the Christian church in America um, kind of developed a, a Pentecostal stream. And, um, and it really centered around speaking in tongues a lot, too. Uh, and so in the early 20th century, that Pentecostal movement kind of gained some speed and kind of bumped heads with mainstream Christianity a little bit. And then... Uh, in the in the mid in the 1950s and 60s, those gifts started kind of spilling over into mainstream churches as well. And so, and we still, I mean, we still see. Um, you're familiar with churches that we say, well, this one's a little bit more charismatic than this church, and that has to do maybe not with spiritual uh, speaking in tongues, but it has to do with how gifts are manifesting themselves. And then, really, in the later 20th century, uh, those. Churches, I mean, that's still something to navigate amongst churches, but it's not necessarily a point of contention like it was earlier in the 20th century. But uh, anyway, so um, I'm wondering if you uh, see gifts in the church, maybe at Otter Creek or maybe just in the church at large, that you feel like are sometimes valued more highly than other gifts. Like here in the first century church, obviously they were dealing with that, with the speaking in tongues. People are kind of elevating that more highly. Uh, do you see gifts among the body that are kind of the prized gifts today? What thoughts do you have on that? 
Um, I would say, you keep thinking, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna start us, but I'm gonna then have another period of awkward silence. So <laughs> um, I would say one gift that I think is highly, maybe overly valued is the gift of leadership. Um, and I think that infiltrates from our culture that we are so keen on leadership. There are all kinds of Christian leadership conferences to go to, especially for ministers. Um, there are books and books and books written about Christian leadership. And my pushback to that is, aren't we supposed to be honing our followership skills? Like this whole journey is about following Jesus. And yes, we can lead others to Jesus. So there's an element of leadership for sure, but it does seem like that can get out of balance. So that's an example. Anything else that you think of that we might value really highly? I'm going to be leading us down a different path, but last week I was thinking I myself have probably seen gifts in other people that I wish I had. Mm-hmm, so it becomes yeah. kind of an, an envy, form of envy yeah. when we're not searching and mm-hmm. honing our own gifts and we're valuing someone else's gifts more than the gifts right. God has given right. us. I think that can be, I mean, I did that for a long time. Yeah. I think that can be a really dangerous path to walk. Right. Um, yeah. Kind of a, I, a disobedience, sort of, maybe. Yeah, and I think that's exactly what's happening here, that some people are envious, envious of the tongues gift. Mm-hmm. And it also seems like maybe those that have that gift are kind of, you know, showboating a little bit. Like, oh, well, I, I can speak in tongues. And so I, I think that there are things. Yeah, I think, I think what happens is you become envious of other people's. Yeah. It may be teaching, because the Bible says, you know, let not many of you become teachers, mm-hmm. even though it is a spiritual gift, and yet, um, you know, I've heard people say, you know, they baptized me, dragged me off, and handed me the manual. You know, <laughs> it just assumes everybody should try to teach, whether it be children, or um, I think we really value adult, adult body class teachers, but I think it's kind of one of those things that we have such a need for, we try to press people into it sometimes that aren't ready. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. We uh, sometimes, like kind of jumping off of your leadership idea, we sometimes will publish the name of the ministers or the elders. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm thinking the people that receive a meal not from the uh, uh, folks you know, who put together a meal, she's their minister that way. She, you know, and and, and uh, so we kind of have signs that say our minister, our pastor, our leaders are this. The truth is, really, everybody should be and is. Right. But I think the one gets a little more airplay. Right. That's right. Because one is more public, <coughs> and so that's the difference. Sure. Yeah. So the preacher, Josh is not in here, but the preacher's gifts are are on display, and and the church needs that. But that doesn't necessarily mean that those gifts are more valuable to the kingdom than someone who's doing Meals on Wheels, you know, this Sunday after church, exactly. which which will happen. But 95% of Otter Creek doesn't, is not aware of who's doing that or how it's happening. But, but that all has its place, and that's all given from the same spirit. I feel like you really kind of hit on something. It's more than a public display yeah. that leads more people down the path of what was really sought after. Yeah. Yeah. The praise team and the singing. Right. It's like, well, they're up front, they can really, yeah, they can really sing, and blah, blah, blah. The leadership, the, the preacher, and, uh, you know, I, I think that's kind of. Yeah. Well, I think that's um, just human nature is we you know everybody struggles with pride or wanting that accolades from other people 
And so the highly visible gifts are the ones that people are going to be like, oh, you did so good this morning. That was wonderful. You did. And so I think, like, as human beings, we desire that sure. feedback from other people, and that's not where we should be looking for it. Like, we should be happy with the fact that our gift was from God and that God right. is happy that we're using right. it. But we want that feedback. And so those highly public mm-hmm. gifts are the ones that we often envy. Right. Right, and I, I don't want to swing the scale so far that we say, "Oh, that's, those gifts are not." Well, valuable. that's your gift. You should. Yeah, absolutely. It, but right. If it's not your right. gift, you shouldn't. But we sometimes just get on focused on those because those are the ones we see. Sure. But anyway, okay, good. Um, all right, let's let's read a little bit more here. Um, I'm going to read the next three verses and then stop again. Uh, so now he moves into this body analogy. Um, he says, the body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ, for we, are, we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, uh, slaves or free, and we were all given uh, the one spirit to drink. Um, so I, I think that this is important just to note as we, and it kind of dovetails with that conversation of the, the visible public gifts, but what happens is, um, a lot of times we, we um, set up kind of a power distance between different people and different gifts. Um, and just um, position in life uh, creates a kind of a power distance too. And um, power distance is, a, is actually an actual term that people use in conflict management and things like that. And I think the definition, I'm not an expert in this, but the, I think the definition is something like um, the uh, perceived difference in power by the person with the least amount of power. Does that make sense? So if there are two people um, and one is, has a little bit more power, it's um, the intimidation factor or whatever, that perceived di- difference in power by the person that has the, the least amount of power. Um, so I remember uh, 15 years ago or so when I was in the Air Force and I was, I was enlisted, kind of low man on the totem pole. I was an airman first class. Um, and we were in Augusta, Georgia at a, at a church there. And there was um, a guy that was a colonel, I think maybe in the army. But anyway, he was way up the chain. Um, and he went to church with us. And of course, I was young. I was 24-ish or something. I don't know. Uh, and he was a middle-aged guy. He was a dentist. Anyway, there was a, there's a, a huge power difference between an airman first class and a colonel. Um, but when we were not in uniform, when we were at church together, he always treated me with great respect. Um, I remember uh, one Sunday, you know, having communion, and pa- and they were happened to be sitting on our on our row and passing the tray, or he may have passed the tray to us. But I remember thinking, here I am sharing the the table of Christ with this guy who way outranks me, has way more life experience than I do. But there is, but we are all welcome at the same table. And um, I think that that really had to play out to the nth degree in the first century church when you've got slaves and free and, you know, all kinds of power differences between wealthy and poor that are happening there. And they're, fig- they're trying to figure out how are we not only going to sit on the same pew and pass the communion tray, but how are we going to walk through life together uh, given, these, given these situations. So... Um, Anyway, that's kind of an an illustration there. All right, let me read another uh, big chunk here. I need to progress. Uh, Verse, let's see, verse 14. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, 
it would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in, in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, uh, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unrepresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts uh, need no special treatment. <clears throat> but God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. I love that, that last verse, 26. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. Have you ever, um, that's an illustration I heard years ago, have you ever, you ever uh, hit your thumb with a hammer? Man, it hurts. And, and your reaction is not to hold up your thumb and go, oh man, that hurts, right? The whole body grabs the thumb and goes, oh man. You know, yeah, you, you guys stick it in your mouth, whatever, you're trying not to say bad words. Um, but your, your whole body focuses on that, right? I remember my dad, when I was a kid, I would have something hurt. You know, I'd say, oh, my, my shin hurts because I got kicked in a soccer game. He'd, oh, well, you want me to kick in your other shin? Because that way, then you, you'll be focused on that part. You won't think about that part. So um, the, the point is, you know, when somebody is hurting in the body, we all, you know, rally around that, that person. Um, and then above that, I kind of skipped to the end there, but um, it's also good for us to think about what our, what our gifts are not, like how we are not gifted. So... Um, you know, we can look at, I don't know if you watched the Super Bowl, but Tom Brady is probably the best quarterback of all time, just won the Super Bowl again in ridiculous fashion. Um, but as good as Tom Brady is, if he didn't have a defense uh, or a decent offensive line, then he can't, he can't get in the pocket and throw passes, right? And if they don't have a running back, then there's no threat of a running game, then they would have to throw every time, and that wouldn't work. And if you don't have somebody to run out there and catch the ball, it doesn't matter how good your pass is. So all those, all those parts have to have to work together. And that, I think, is what Paul is saying here. And so we have to recognize what we're not gifted in as well. So I'll open up the floor real quick. Does anybody have any gifts that you know are not your gifts and you're grateful that somebody else has that gift? Anybody have I a... have to raise my hand. Okay. Little children. Okay. Uh, I, have, I have a harder time with little children than my wife does. Okay, good. So she's wired differently than me. Right, right. So Kent recognizes he doesn't need to be in the nursery or elementary classes or anything. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Amen, Corey. Anything else? Anyone else? Have something that you really know is not your forte? I'll just say one thing. I just think it's really important to, kind of like Deanna said, run in your lane and not be looking to what yeah. somebody else is doing or wishing you could do that well. But as y'all know, I mean, I'm not telling this for anything. God always speaks kind of in unexpected ways or sometimes uses us in unexpected ways. So I think it's important to be 
open to that. I mean, if I were choosing what I was comfortable with to serve this church and what I would want to do, it would probably be going to clean out closets. Now, y'all can laugh if you want to. It's okay, but nothing makes me happier than going to organize something. I go with you. Okay. You know, just quietly and happy over here. But, you know, most recently, what did God call me to do? Have a very public, uncomfortable spot when Lane and I led two capital campaigns. And they did not tell me at the beginning of that first capital campaign I would have to get on stage and say anything. It was, I thought I was going to be organizing behind the scenes and Lane was going to kind of be the mouthpiece because he's good at speaking. That doesn't weird him out. But So I don't know. I was thrust into this whole place. I thought I didn't want to be, but I grew a lot through that. And the comfort zone for me was I knew God had led me there. So it's kind of like if we're trying to find our place, part of how you know, I mean, obviously to say, God, where, where do you want to put me, not where do I want to be? But then there's joy when you get there, even if it's hard. And I was reminded of that about a week or so ago. I was reading a little devotional thing, and it was... It was about finding your joy, and it was a reconfirmation that if you're running in your lane, and that means where God placed you, not where you placed yourself, then you are going to have this joy regardless of circumstances. So sorry, I did not mean to get into oh, that, that. That's but it, it is just a, you know, for me, it's just like, yes, I would like to sign up to clean out the closets, but what I need to be focusing on is yeah and and I think that really comes out in these last few verses that it's not only about we're focusing on gifting but it's not only about gifting um, some of you will take this gift assessment and show up really high on giving but maybe in a season of life where you just don't have the resources to give financially there's about certain other ways to give um, so season of life is a factor. Um, calling is a factor. You may not have felt like speaking on stage was your gift, but you did feel called into that, and so you can grow. And so, um, and, and Deanna's going to talk a little bit more about calling and vocation and, and that as well when she shares uh, her story. So I need to um, wrap up. But I, I'm thankful that somebody has a gift of cleaning out closets because that's part of the diversity of the body. I don't, I don't have have that gift, or at least I don't want to exercise that gift. Um, okay, let's, let's finish up here. Uh, verse 27. Uh, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And in the church, God has appointed first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, those uh, speaking in different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But eagerly desire the greater gifts. And now I'll show you the most excellent way. And so after this whole chapter of saying all gifts are, are equal, we need all the gifts, and I love how he says, okay, now, now let me actually show you the greatest gift, and goes into 1 Corinthians 13, which is all about love, of course, a well-known chapter. Um, 
So I think the, the nugget to take out of this is that we need all of those. We need somebody to clean out the closets. And we need somebody to teach an adult class. And we need somebody to teach the little ones. We need the diversity. And that's how God has organized and ordained his church. And that's true not only for Otter Creek. Like Otter Creek has a bunch of people with different gifts. It's also true on a corporate level. Otter Creek is, is one church in the kingdom that's happening in Nashville and around the world. And we're not all things to all people. And, and don't we realize that. Like Ethos Church has a great ministry for um, college students. Um, and there are other churches that are more suited to different people. And, and so all those churches have a place in God's kingdom. And that, I think that's part of this body analogy. Maybe Otter Creek is you know, the ear or the eye or the elbow or whatever. But um, all those churches come together to, to formulate God's, God's kingdom. And then you can even extrapolate that through time and think about how God's church over the course of time is, is gifted in different ways. And there are different uh, pockets of, of people throughout the history of the church that have had different gifts. Uh, Christians in China today look different than what Otter Creek, you know. So the, the church of Christ is broad. Lowercase is there. The Church of Christ is, is broad and di- diverse, and we need all that. God needs all that to, to bring his mission to earth. Okay. Um, all right, I've talked enough. So Deanna is going to share uh, a little bit about their story, and so I think we'll, we'll hit on the seasons of, of gifting and calling and vocation and some of that, too. All right. Thank you very much. <clears throat> Um, first of all, I just want to see who, I assume all of you all, all were at worship last week, not this week, but last week. Is everybody here? Well, I thought Carmen Chrysler getting up and reading her psalm was one of the most beautiful things I have seen. And I don't know if you all know this, Carmen is Dixie and Eric's niece. Um, eighth grader. Eighth grader, 12, 13 years old. And I, I couldn't help sit there and think I'm so thankful that I'm part of a church that allows a 13 year old girl to get up and share something so beautifully written like that so that was just so special um, that she could get up there and share that gift that that she has so okay well last week can't ask us about or ask you all um, to share a time in your life where someone encouraged you to use a gift, such as teaching a class or, or things like that, or, or affirm something they saw in you. And I, as I'm, I was sitting here, I thought about my husband's story. And I almost decided to share it, but we were kind of running out of time, and I'm not known for telling a short story. So I knew that we would go over if I raised my hand. So I was telling him about that last week, and he said, why don't you share that next week? So I said, okay, and um, just so you know, I did get his permission to to share this. So, um, in fact, last night, uh, my older son, we were, the three of us were sitting at dinner, and I asked my husband if if he had anything specific, you know, about this whole thing I'm going to share with you. He goes, no, not really, because you just do your thing, it'll be fine. And my, my son said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm telling your dad's story. <laughs> he said, why isn't dad doing that? I'm like, oh, I don't know. He, he, needs, he can go in the men's class. So anyway, you're going to hear my version of his story, um, a small part of it. Um, Russell is my husband, and he was raised in a home that 
I will say they loosely attended church. Um, sixth grade, his parents divorced. And fairly quickly after the divorce, both of his parents got remarried. Um, and I thought it was unusual that um, he has a younger sister, older sister. Both of, all the kids stayed with their dad and in the home, and mom moved out. And stepmother, of course, immediately moved in. She had two um, older sons. So there were seven of them living in this house. Um, keep in mind, he was in sixth grade. Um, there was a lot of alcohol. His father was a functioning alcoholic. Um, there were a lot of drugs, and there was a lot of sexual activity going on in, within these walls. Um, drugs being built out of the home. So a lot was available to him at a very young age, pornography. But ironically, his stepmother, church was very important to her. And she really encouraged the kids to go. Um, she was going to the Madison Church at the time. She decided to start going to Hendersonville, which was closer um, to their home. Um, had a very strong youth program there. Russell ended, and his little sister ended up being the only ones that, that went with her. So along about eighth, ninth grade, um, <clears throat> he started getting really involved in their youth program there. Their youth minister at the time, his name was Jim Moss. You know, Jim, it's amazing. Yep. Uh, at the time, this was in the 80s, early 80s, on into the early 90s, he was known as really the father of youth ministry in the Churches of Christ then. If you wanted to go into youth ministry and you worked with Jim, you had no trouble getting a job. He was just so well known amongst Churches of Christ back then. Um, but anyway, he started getting, you know, he'd go to Sunday school. Um, he did a lot of church league basketball. In the summers, they had um, their summer day camps for the little children. And he was a counselor during the summer at those, those day camps. He was voted counselor of the week just about every week of the summer. And Jim saw something in him that he kind of latched onto and he started nurturing. And as he progressed through high school, I mean, he, he was doing camps every summer, worked up at the church a lot. Um, but as he started ending his high school career, junior, senior year, his stepmother and Jim both encouraged him to look into youth ministry, which he did. <coughs> he um, started at Lipscomb as a Bible major. He did end up changing his major just because Jim had told him, you have so much experience, um, you will not have trouble finding a youth ministry job. It's probably a little different now, but, um, and he was right. He did not have any trouble. Everywhere he interviewed, he got an offer. Um, just to let you know, he is not in youth ministry anymore, but um, I still think he's a minister, even though he's not a paid minister. But um, anyway, I tell that story just to emphasize that even though we're in this class to learn about our gifts, we should never underestimate the power of affirming someone else's gifts in their life. Um, at a young age, you know, eighth, ninth grade, like I said, Jim saw something in him. He saw his tenderness and his care and how these kids were just so drawn to him. Um, 
and he had no spiritual mentor, especially a male role model. So Jim ended up being that person for him. But um, his path could have been far different, I think, had it not been for Jim Moss in his life. And I will forever be grateful to his stepmother and, and Jim for taking him here instead of here, because it could have been so easy for that to happen. And all it took was somebody noticing and keeping their eyes open to what they saw in a young boy and encouraging that and nurturing that and mentoring that and even saying, you know, taking the time to say, I really think you need to think about doing this when you go to college. Um, and he even continued that throughout his, his ministry. And they became, he and his wife were great, great examples for us when we were in ministry. But um, anyway, that's really all I, I wanted to share is just, Look for our gifts, but look for gifts in others, especially those that seem kind of lost and could go along a different path um, and affirm those. So, yeah. well, thank you. Okay. Anyone want to ask any questions at the end? Oh, no, I'm, I'm kind of an open book. I'll tell you whatever you want. <laughs> so, he did go into youth ministry for a he while. He did. We were in ministry for. Um, well, I mean, he was in. He was doing ministry even as a college student, okay. part time. <clears throat> and we were dating at the time also, so we kind of did some of that ministry together at a sure. really small church. Huh? So we kind of started our relationship in yeah. ministry together before sure. we were married. And sure. um, when we got married, he had made a little more money than part-time youth minister at a small 100-member congregation. So um, sure. we moved to McMinnville for a couple years. Um, we moved back here for a couple years. Um, and... The first day we met, I kind of shared with you our journey to Otter Creek, and that's kind of where that story starts. Mm -hmm. But, um, well, thank you. so yeah. Thank you, Deanna. Thank you. Well, um, let me wind up. I think we've got about four minutes. Does that sound about right? Um, <clears throat> this class is about you discovering something. It's about, it's not about us teaching something as much as it is you discovering how God wired you. As Eric talked about today, God has positioned or has, has gifted each of us with a spiritual gift, at least one, each of us with a spiritual gift. Last week we talked about how it's for God's glory and for the common good. God put a part of his heart in each of us, and that we would call passion. Now, that may be kind of confusing right now because Josh has a series called Passion. Uh, there may be some other words that might help us understand that a bit better, but we want to help you figure out what piece of God's heart did he put in you. He put a piece of God's heart in some people for uh, the underserved medically. He put a piece of his heart in some people for children. He put a piece of his heart for some people in evangelism and leading people who are lost to him. And so we want to help you discover not only your gift, and we'll talk about the gifts later on the, in the semester and also introduce you to some ministries that use exercise those gifts. But part of this is a snapshot. We want you to sort of take a snapshot of yourself <clears throat> and uh, think about how God, uh, what passion he gave you, uh, what causes you to wake up early, what causes you to stay awake late, what could you talk to your friends about staying, I mean, what could you talk to your friends about? And they know, don't get him or her on that subject because they'll keep you awake till 2 a.m. or something, you know. Um, 
It's, it's the feelings or desires that we have to serve in a particular ministry. Let me give you some synonyms uh, for passion that may be a little easier for us. Things like burden or calling. I think, I think Eric used that phrase today. Something placed on your heart by God. Um, let me give you a quick example here. Uh, a couple guys are ushers at the church. And one guy gets there about a half hour early and he sees it as something that, that is enjoyable. It motivates him and um, he looks forward to it. He gets there, he makes sure there's pencils at the, uh, at the information booth, he makes sure there's a bulletin, and he stands at the door actually, and he sits on the deck looking at, as all the people drive in, and he gets excited as he sees the people drive in, like, this is what a wonderful opportunity, they're coming in to worship God, and, and I get to greet them, and what a great opportunity. He's there a half hour, 45 minutes early, just to make sure everything's all set. On the other hand, another guy has been assigned this as an obligation and so he gets there five, minute before, five minutes before the hour. He grabs a stack of bulletins and just in a monotone, rote way, says, welcome to the worship service, enjoy the worship service, you know, good to see you today or whatever. And he, while one is very motivated by it, one sees it as meeting a need of welcoming people, the other person sees it as an obligation. One has the passion and one sees it as something they must do, take a turn. In fact, the second one wishes they just had a note stand like this and everybody could pick up their bulletin. And over the PA, they just say, welcome to worship service, come on in and find a chair, turn off your phone or whatever. You know? uh, and, and so this class, we want this class to be about you. We want you to be able to kind of take a snapshot of yourself. And there are three parts that we'll talk about throughout the semester. One obviously is the gifts, we spent some time on that. I'm kind of introducing the idea maybe to you today of the idea of passion, these words. And then the third will be style, which is sort of a personality type. But every one of those are God designed. And we want each of us to find out how God has wired us. Um, there are categories of passions. Let's look at some of these. There are people groups. Maybe you're, uh, maybe you're into infants or children or youth or teens or divorced or single parents or college students or widowed, uh, single again or unemployed or the elderly or disabled or maybe prisoners. These are people passions. And there are probably some people in the room that have people passions. And they would wake up doing this. Um, there's others that might have some social issues like the environment or childcare, homosexuality, <coughs> discipleship, AIDS, politics, violence, injustice, um, Poverty, healthcare, family. We heard about one last week. One, one of the women here last week talked about her, her passion of healthcare and helping the underserved in the healthcare. And so um, last week I used an analogy of a, of a puzzle. And we want these three pieces of the puzzle your passion, your gifts, and your style to fit together. And uh, Debbie and I were talking last week, and uh, it's kind of like with this puzzle analogy. How do you feel when you get the last piece placed? It feels good. The puzzle is, is almost done except the last piece. And when we can put in the last piece, there's joy. And as she mentioned earlier, when we serve in an area of passion and use our gifts in a style, in a personality way that we are wired, there is joy. God is glorified. Others are edified and uh, the body uh, is built up and God's kingdom comes here even better.
Thank you to our teachers today. Appreciate your, your input very much. And thank you to the class members. It's great to hear from you. Let's have a prayer before we go. Dear Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for giving us the many blessings that you've granted to us. Help us as we seek to discover how you have gifted us and wired us so we can bring glory to you all of our days. Thank you for our class and bless us in the rest of this day. Keep us close to you and remind us that you are there with us always. In Jesus I pray, amen. Thank you, folks. Oh, yes. Glad you did that. One, one left. Okay, good. Yeah, it is still recording. That's hilarious. Oops. Well, I think it's